welcome back to the Water and Stone podcast. I'm Jenny Randolph. And I am Dieter Randolph, and this is the sound of my voice here on episode number 42. Are we, are we answering that question? Yeah, if you know your, uh, you know your geek lore, you know that uh, 42, according to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, is the answer to uh, life, the universe, and everything. And so here it is. We did it. We now did it. Know. We reached it. All you got to do is listen to this podcast, and everything will be revealed. So what's going on with you this week? Well, gosh, um, one of the big things uh, for me is I, uh, I finished a, a book by a guy named John Pavlovitz. And uh, he is, if you follow my stuff on Facebook or whatever, you have certainly seen me repost some of his stuff. He is a pastor out of North Carolina, and uh, he's got a really interesting story, and he's a really interesting guy. But he has written some pretty uh, aggressive posts about how, you know, you can't be a Christian and also hate people. You can't be a Christian and also... Uh, be a racist, for example, that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm just a huge fan of his. I love what he's saying. And his book, which is called The Bigger Table, uh, came out like a week ago, and I ordered it immediately and finished it just as quick as time would allow. It's a great book. Highly recommend A Bigger Table by John Pavlovitz. But the the core of the message is, is one that you're going to be familiar with if you're a fan of what we're doing around here. And that's the idea that Jesus's ministry was that everybody was invited to the table. It's not just that he hung out with the quote-unquote outcasts. He also hung out with the Pharisees and the rich people. Everybody gets a table. This isn't about fearing or excluding everyone. And building a church, because obviously building a church is huge for us. You should see the stack of books, the library that we're building on how to do this. And how not to do it. You right. Know? And I've, I've read my fair share of both and I will keep doing it. This water and stone experiment will never end. We will continue to tweak it forever. You know, that's kind of how it works. But I um, think you have to. I think that you have to, you know, ask yourself, why am I doing this and how can I make it better? Yeah. And how can I, we amp it? How can yeah. we plus it? How can we fix what's broken. I mean, even uh, last Sunday we had our monthly lesson and we had changed some things about the order of service and it's feeling even better. You know, I still feel like there's some stuff that we need to do, but man, oh man, you got to keep doing it. But so anyway, um, it's a great book on how to build and how not to build a church, on how to make sure that what you're doing isn't some kind of like salvation machine where the goal is just get people in the front door, get them to sign something, get them saved, so to speak, and get them out the back door, but actually really building relationships with people. It's yeah, important. Yeah, and, and I was going to ask you, because I haven't read it yet, because um, it has only been out And I wouldn't like let it out bit. of my clutches. You yeah. You would have had but to rest I was going to ask you, is it is it something for regular people to yes. read? Or it's not just about building churches. Yeah, no, in like fact, that, building right? a church about... is, it, it's kind of, that is touched on, but that's part of what I got out of it because I'm in a building a church mindset. Uh, okay. But I really feel like it's for everybody because it is so easy to use religion and theology, things like that. As a club, that. to beat As a club, yeah. as a wall, and all of that. But this is about showing people you, you i want everybody to have a pretty good understanding of what it is that we believe and that's why i do that series my youtube movies and all that i, I want people to have a good beat on that but at the end of the day it is 100 times more important that you show people by being a loving person who does not exclude who welcomes 
And in a way, you know, it's uh, the thing that we do on Sunday morning, that's an hour a month. And after January, it's going to be an hour a week. But it's just an hour. There's a lot more hours, you know. And right. so much of it, you know, we we had a gathering at our house last night. And we had, I don't know, like 20 people, something mm-hmm. like that, yeah, cool. in our house. And uh, we had Raina played the piano. And we, we goofed around together. And we talked. And I did a I did a, about a half hour uh, talk about, you know, theology stuff but there was just sharing and people shared what was on their hearts and then afterwards people wouldn't leave people stayed and we were people asked for advice and shared their hearts and it was and i thought to myself you know this is church too oh absolutely and when you think about the 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 ministry of jesus yeah there was time sermon on the mount sort of situations where there, here's one person talking to a big crowd and i love that i love doing the sunday lesson it's in my heart but that's not all there is to church. In fact, it's the smallest, most visible, but smallest part of what church is. Church should be family. And this book helped validate that. But even if you're not a pastor, the idea of my religion doesn't just happen on Sunday, and it's not about a book, it's about a sharing, it's about a living, it's about a love. It's about making sure that everybody's welcome in the table of your life, because everybody's got something to teach you. That's really huge and so it's a beautiful book it's going to get you out of the way of some easy crutches and cop-outs it's powerful and everything that john pavlovitz has got a blog called stuff that needs to be said and uh follow me on facebook and you'll find it but he's great it's great highly recommend the book and i have to say that one of the things we talked about made me think of another thing that's going on the idea of constant plussing making it better all the time is huge for me. I love that you're so inspired. I, I I love that that comes just, you know, that you can get on fire about a book and about everything. And I think we're the type of people that look for inspiration everywhere. Uh-huh. I hope um, so. Yeah. I mean, I can, you know, I can get excited about a lot of things. I Even the littlest things. So, but if, and if it's really good, it's easy to get excited about. But one of the, my, my inspiration actually comes from a documentary that I have watched uh, recently. Mm-hmm. And if uh, you know us, you know that we're a big PBS fan, Masterpiece Theater, Doctor Who, all that kind of stuff. But PBS has a new, I guess it's not new, it's new to me. There you go. Um, Same here. It, it's called uh, American Experience. And they do these shows picking out specific periods of time or in American history or people or anything like that. So it and, might be a biography or an overview of like a Ken Burnsy kind of yeah, situation. Yeah, well, and I I am a Ken Burns like fan. I am I am a fan girl. I found you want to see me fan girl. <laughs> I love the slow the Ken, pans and I know, zooms and over just photographs really, I, you and letters. Know, I don't know what that says about me that like the two people on TV that I really really adore is Ken Burns and Jim Cantore. I mean, <laughs> I that's a weird it's really buddy cop movie right there. It's, yeah. It's really strange. Anyway, back to the point. They did one on Walt Disney. Yeah. And it's just called American Experience Walt Disney. And it's actually almost four hours long. And it's a two parter. There's part one and part two. And I believe each part is almost 
two hours, if not two hours yeah. itself. When you can find it on, if you if you Google for, I'm sure the PBS website has it, but like we yeah. have Apple TV and there's a PBS oh, there's channel on Apple it. TV. That's how we get yeah. it. But it's probably on Netflix and stuff as well. But there's oh, lots sure. of ways. So it's PBS, it's called American Experience and it's the Walt Disney, it's two episodes. It is. And it's just so fascinating. And I found such inspiration from watching the story because everybody thinks that oh, once he made it big and all of this and Mickey Mouse and Snow White and everything hit it, you know, that that was it. And it just it just continued to grow from there in the empire and, and all of that. At every single turn, even when they were opening the first theme park in California, every single turn, they were at the just the brink of bankruptcy and all of this stuff. And it, I loved it because he would not sacrifice his vision he didn't listen to the people around him telling him that there was something that was wrong it was really interesting and you know say what you will I didn't know the guy you know (laughs) I I don't know what kind of guy he was I don't know if he was a big jerk or not but you have to give him the fact that holding on to a dream and and having you know that moxie to see it through that is super inspiring, and I just loved the whole thing. I was really, I was really fascinated by the 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 whole documentary. Well, and there's I got a bunch out of it. this. Is the second time through watching. We watched it a, a little bit ago, and then again recently because I just I adore it. And you know, as you know, we're big Disney heads. We go to we go all the time, ready to go again uh, any minute now. Well, now that it's starting to get cool outside, oh it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's the time for to go sure, to Disney. for sure. But um. You know, there's a couple of lessons. I think the lesson of just falling in love with the work is beautiful. And in fact, if you're doing something you can't fall in love with, take a look at that too. I think that there's something really beautiful about, just like I was starting to say before, he called it plussing, of constantly going, okay, how can this be better, smoother, more enjoyable? How can it be more moving? And attached to that is a concept of, can you do something that nobody's ever done before? So, and you, there's a lot of examples in Walt Disney's life. I mean, it was just over and over again. The idea, his very first cartoons involved interacting, you know, cartoons with a live person. There's a little girl named Alice, and no one had ever done that before. And he really made a name for himself that way. And on and on, and the big movie that really made it for them was uh, Snow White. Mm-hmm. And the, the concept was, okay, you know what? Cartoons can make people laugh. Everybody knows that. What if a cartoon could make somebody cry? You know, can we make real art with this? And then on and on and on. But the idea is, can you do something that nobody's ever done before? Can you fall in love with the work? Can it not matter to you if the wheels are about to fall off? Is the work that important? And, you know, we have stuff in our lives that we can absolutely answer, oh, yeah, here we go, kind of thing. Find something like that. Oh, well, I have something like that. And I just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, not going to um spend a lot of time on this, but... I am, as of in this moment, completely and totally caught up with all of the laundry. (laughs) Yes, the work, the work is there. I have plussed it. And I'm not just talking about the clothes that happen, you know, people. I'm talking about all that extra laundry that you sort of ignore, like, 
the blankets, the throw blankets that everybody uses and all of the beach when house. When we have and the a dog beach. and we go to the and, beach all and the time. All and... of that stuff that just piles up or when you switch out a tablecloth and you're just like, oh, one tablecloth is not enough to make a load. So I'll just keep it up there. And then all of a sudden you have 17,000 loads of laundry of all of museum. the other. Yeah. Really, and you're like, oh, where is that tablecloth? I thought, you know, and then you find it at the very bottom. And it's you're wrapped like, around oh. Jimmy Hoffa in the backyard. Yeah, oh, yeah. I it's you. horrible. It's horrible. But as of right now, it is new, new day, new me, and uh, and the laundry is done. Well, congratulations, Walt. So as we dig in this time, uh, I wanted to talk about the the concept of getting old. I mean, we just did, you know, obviously this is episode 42, so we're in uh we're in our midlife period. We talked a little bit about that a couple episodes ago and all of that. But well, I will be 42 in a couple weeks. That's amazing. So And I got big plans for your hello. birthday, by the way, but You better. Yeah. No, oh, no, no I that's do. not I do. that's not really. It's kind of a threat, not really a threat, maybe a threat. It's a little bit of a threat. <laughs> well, you know, and you ought to know by now, I have I always my aspirations for birthdays are so big and huge that I can never really measure up in real life. But, you know, I got some good ideas. I think it's going to be all right. I think you're going to have a pretty good uh, little bit there. But I wanted to talk, I'm not thinking about about you getting old because you are a force of nature, but I wanted to talk about the concept of, uh, you know, how old is old and how does that work? I think that, that, it's a good time as the seasons change, as we start to think about that kind of stuff, as we deal with the number of things that have gone on in, in our lives, people that we love and, and, you know, that kind of thing. Well, it's a natural sort of thought mm-hmm. as we close a year and then we start a new year and all that. You know, we're coming to the last couple of months of, of this calendar, you know, of 2017, and I, I think... For me, it's it's actually a, a good question. And what you hear all the time is, oh, this this year went so fast. Where did the time go? Where did it go? And I have to say, just as an aside, as the holidays are approaching, I am bound and determined to really be present during this holiday season. Yeah, Christmas went by in a flash. I think you can I think that you can allow that. And I think that you can take these things for granted and I think you can get real bitter about all of the stuff that you quote unquote have to do but I also think that's tied into getting older I think it's like I'm too old for this or I've done this so many times or so many years and I I feel that there are sometimes they're just like really again okay all right I don't know you know well somebody we talked about Halloween last time somebody uh last night one of our teens was one of the people on our teen group was in the uh, in our gathering, and they talked about how they're going to go to um, Halloween horror nights or spooktacular, some other Halloween based pun. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where they take a theme park and they put a bunch of haunted houses on it. And my first thought was, as you know, if you listen to last time's podcast, you couldn't, I wouldn't be caught dead or undead in that place. Not interested. My first thought was, you know, I'm a grown man. I don't need that in my life. So I'm aware of that. But I got to say also, thinking about the teens put me in that mindset because some of our teens, uh, you know, when we started, they were actually too young to go to 
some of our events and things like that. And now people in that group are graduating from the teen group. And it has happened so quickly. It makes me think of the hurry up and wait thing that happens. You know when you're a little kid and somebody asks you, you know, how old are you? You don't say I'm eight. You say, you know, I'm eight and a half. You know, because it's there's this I gotta get bigger. I gotta get to that next thing. And there's this hunger and thirst to get to the next thing. But then you get to a certain age and it's uh, the opposite of, you know, well, people lie about their age. Well, I'm 40, even though they're 42. Well, we, we spend half of our lives trying to get trying to get older, trying to get bigger, mm-hmm. you know, and then we spend the rest of our lives trying to get younger and trying to go back the other way. To so recapture that... a childlike innocence and, you know, and skin tone and everything right? else. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have to say I lie about my age, but I do it in the opposite direction. See, that's smart. I no, really. It. Yeah, I know like, I get like, it. Like, I I'll always say that I'm five years older than what I actually am because people are like, oh my wow, God, you, you look, look great. You for look that. so great. I am 97 age. years no, of honestly, age. Would you believe if, it? Yeah. If you're, if you're having a bad day, go lie about your age. No, don't really, but no, Drew. I get that. I know. I, I, well, I, that always seems smarter to me. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, I'm 100 years old. And I, I look at people that I really think of as just rock stars and, people who really demonstrate the kind of person I want to be. And I think about people like Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think about Diane Keaton. I think about Judy Dench. I think about people like that who are just more and more magnificent all the time. Ian McKellen is a, is a great example. Peter O'Toole, people like that who, you know, look, I'm not going to judge somebody for getting Botox or surgery or whatever, but it's just, it's, it is so beside the point of what kind of person you are. You know what I mean? I I love the concept of just being who you are. This is a a perennial thing. And I, I love that when an older person will say to a teenager, you know, these are the best years of their, your life. And oh. the teenager is basically, oh, no. without fail, the teenager will look at the older person like, you crazy person. Do you know how miserable I am and how I cannot wait until I get to age X and everything's going to be better? But what, what the old person doesn't remember is that, that need to get out from under. And what the young person doesn't appreciate is nothing changes if that's your if you're looking at milestones. Because I got to tell you, I have as you know, I have a day job and it's corporate stuff, and I can I can be a part of the meeting, and the same kind of drama goes on between people. There's the equivalent of the prom king and queen and the football star and the nerd and the all of the stereotypes. The whole Breakfast Club still comes to the meetings when everybody's in their forties. You know, if you're looking for milestones when all of a sudden you hit age, let's say, 21, and there's a secret handshake you learn and and all of that stuff, it just never happens. I just want to be, you know, I just want to be comfortable in my own skin. And that's, and I think that that's what it is. And I think it takes a presence of mind that to really know that, listen, I'm not just this outer stuff. I'm not just... Just like I'm not my material things, mm-hmm. I'm not just this outer outer presence. I'm not my hair color or how tall I am. I'm not whether I'm male or female, whether I'm too thin, too fat, whatever that may be. And I, 
people put a lot of pressure on themselves to achieve a version of perfection, not for other people, but for them. If you look at those really weird surgery cases, uh, you get to a point where it's just like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, I want to look like Barbie. For who? And the the answer Ken. always is... <laughs> Sorry. Nice. No, I walked right into that one. <laughs> no, but the answer always is, is it really isn't for other people. It is for them. Right. And that's the problem. And that is yeah. the challenge because... I like to think that I am doing this gracefully, that I am aging gracefully, that I'm walking this path, that I am proud of every new wrinkle, every new gray hair, that you make some changes here or there, um, and and you just go on, and you give thanks that, that you're healthy. I don't know. I, I have thought about Botox. I really have. I, in your 40s and I this was the, like re- legitimately the first year that I thought well oh, I might I might go check that out let's let's see what let's see what that is let's see what that's all about and I really thought about it and there were one day I'd be like yep I'm doing it and the next day I'd be like no that's I don't know and I think that answer whether or not you get stuff done whether it's a really expensive cream that you put on your face or if you choose to do Botox just cool whip well, Cool Whip will do something. Oh, it's uh, delicious. Oh, Lord. It's not. It's gross. <laughs> this, is a, this is a huge debate in our house. P.S. Um, I, am, I am whipped cream. Dieter is Cool Whip. It's, and, never, and never will we meet. It's, we'll meet. It's, we'll meet. No, we won't because your Cool Whip <laughs> is not touching my whipped cream. Anyway, but I think the point is, is that realize that you're doing it for yourself and realize why you're doing it. Well, because it's beside the point. Just like I said, I don't have a problem with somebody buying an outfit that they feel like they look good in. Your skin is an outfit. Mm-hmm. You know? I think so. And as long as you look at it that way, that just like RuPaul says, you're just God in drag, that this is just the outfit that you put on, I'll do what you got to do. If you think you look better with a tattoo or not, do that or don't do it, whatever. But it can't tell you who you are. We know this. You know, I think that what is really important to understand is that milestones are artificial. Milestones are fake. Milestones are, are never going to tell you what you want. And the thing is, it's not about the milestone. It's about the paradigm. It's not about the, the external destination or validation. It's about what you expect and what you accept. So what I mean is, if you are the kind of person that says, I am not a good person, I am not worthy of attention or love, let's say, I'm not going to like myself, unless I am 120 pounds. Your milestone, that's 120, but your expectation, your mindset is, I'm not good enough until this external number. So what will happen invariably, and you know this because... Maybe you've experienced it or you've seen it on TV or you know somebody. But what will happen when you get to that magic weight is nothing you will changes. nothing changes and you will continue to move the goalposts on yourself. Mm-hmm. Because the goalposts are fake. That's an artificial designation. Nobody is that way. Nobody is really made or broken by an outer measurement. That's why you're not really happy when you get to eight years old. As soon as you have your eighth birthday, you start saying, I'm eight and a half. And it never changes. If your validation comes from outside, you will continue to move the goalposts on yourself forever until something changes and you decide 
to be self-gratified, self-aware, self-impressed. Something's got to happen on the inside, and it has to do with deciding who you really are. Where is your identity? Well, I just think it's so sad that you're just like, well, I'm going to wait until I'm this weight, or I'm going to wait until I, I get the surgery, or I'm going to wait until, you know, whatever it is. I, I just think that's so sad because why, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Be happy you know, now you, yeah, and you'll you start to, well, and that's the other thing is a diet thing. If you feel better about yourself, you might actually be a little kinder to yourself in terms of what you do physically and what you eat and stuff like that. You can't diet yourself into liking yourself. It has never, ever worked. I think that you can feel better and get to a place of self-esteem, but this is why aging is tricky because you can lose weight, you can't really get any younger you can try to look younger but a lot of people that try really hard actually end up making themselves look older well that's true too but i think that i guess what i'm trying to say about the diet thing i know that's a sidebar but what i'm trying to say about the diet thing is to diet and exercise you actually have to decide that you're worth dieting and exercising the self-esteem has got to come first how many people and i see that I how many people that. do you know that don't ever engage on the diet or the exercise plan because you're like ah i'm not really worth taking the time to do the do the the work my body myself is not worth the work so i'll take the cheap shot and the gratification comes from that cupcake or whatever so what i'm saying is the inner thing has to come first but also i think that the outer thing this is arbitrary if you go to an art museum and you look at, you know, for a big, his, a big long part of, of history of art, artists were just the browning camera around the neck of the aristocracy. You know what I mean? Their job was painting pictures of rich people and their stuff. But when you look at the status symbol for being, being successful, it was like, I'm a corpulent landowner. Mm -hmm. You know, I am, I'm a certain age. You know, these things change. Even now in the 21st century, depending on where you are in the world, a certain age or a certain weight or a certain look differs. This is completely arbitrary. And as for me, I would rather be Ian McKellen than Channing Tatum any day of the week. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, I would rather be Bill Moyers than uh, Justin Bieber. You know, it, don't oh, even... Oh, thank, thank the Lord on that one. Well, who would you rather be with? You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. It's one of those. So it a lot of this is depends on what you decide is worth something. I remember when um, the, they brought back the Mini Cooper. Remember, this was, you know, 10 yeah, years or so. Yeah, a while ago. Yeah, and it's still such a cool, iconic car. And one of their first ad campaigns was enjoy motoring. And the idea is drive your car and be proud of the little scratches and dents that, that it gets in it because it's a sign that you like driving your car. And I thought, wow, that's revolutionary, especially for a company who's designed who whose sole purpose is selling you new shiny cars for them to go, no, it's good that you know, battle scars, you know, don't go trying to wrap your car around a tree, but take the pressure off of yourself. Because when you think about it, why is it that a completely unblemished shiny car is somehow more attractive than one that that is well driven and loved and has a couple of, of dents from something fun that happened you know or what i mean just memories of road trips and 
You know, you remember when you you spilled that little bit of milkshake on the side of the yeah. car and you it's, or the it's preponderance there, of dog or... hair in the back of my Jeep. I've oh. got pine needles from two Christmases ago in in the cup holders of the Jeep because we take the top off and strap the tree to the top. There's something awesome about that, and I wouldn't change it for anything. So I guess what I'm trying to say is take a minute and decide where beauty comes from and where value comes from. And you might find that it doesn't come from looking like you just came out of a, of a factory. Yeah, this, that's so boring, isn't it? Isn't it boring? It's kind of gross. And it takes me back to the discussion we had about Blade Runner the other day. And, and part of it has to do, I think, with, with this weird concept that human beings are resources. That your value comes from how much work you can do and how much you can lift and how much you can produce. And in fact, I think a lot of people's self-esteem related to aging has to do with the idea that, oh, maybe I don't look like a good earner anymore. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if people are always conscious of it, but I think that part of the problem is economic. That's that's a good point. That's absolutely a good point. And, and that, is, that is a legitimate concern for sure sure but i mean really do you really think the people in your life value you because you look like you can lift heavy things well i mean that's why you know that's why people that's what it comes down to and we certainly know people who are dealing with the aging thing they're having a hard time with it because they can't work the way they used to work and it's not even about making money it's about my value comes from what i can produce and I understand that. I think that you have to be a little bit self-aware. And and let me just give you this example. Right now, we have the honor and the privilege of hosting most holidays, right? We have, in our family, we have the biggest house. We, you know, I, I cook a lot. It's something that I love to do. I love to entertain. It's a natural sort of place you know I I do Thanksgiving I do Christmas it's it's that's what we do um and if when the kids move out there for the first couple of years they're probably kind of come back to our house and have Christmas and I'll still be doing it we'll still have Christmas here but there will come a time when one of the kids homes becomes the place for Christmas right because it we will have downsized they will have the little kids we're getting a houseboat I don't know about the houseboat, but it, Just I don't plan know. Just I don't know. But the point is, is that no matter where we're living, probably downsize, mostly because I'm, I'm not going to want to clean a big old house and I'm not going to want to do, you know, all there's all so many things that go along with that. And just right use of space. and Yeah, yeah, for sure. All of it. So we'll probably end up moving to the, moving to that point where one of the kids' house becomes the center of the holidays. And... I will diminish and go into the West and, <laughs> and be there as, you know, as somebody who can answer questions and, hey, mom, do you, you know, do you have that recipe for that one thing that we made that one year? And I'll be like, yep, here it is. And it's just, you know, go ahead, go for it. And yeah. I think there's such beauty in that. But I also think it takes a willingness to have your role in your family and in your life change. Mm-hmm. I do not ever want to be 20 years old again and it even if I had my 20 year old body back you know pre-kids 
and all, all that, you know, pre-stretch marks and pre-cellulite and everything else that goes along with all of that. I think that I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it because my life is so full and so good and it is not worth that outside physical thing to me. So I, I think you have to be open to the roles changing. And, and again, it takes self-awareness of realizing this is mine to do right now, yeah, but you know what? I've, but it's not mine to do forever. No, and, and I have earned, to do no, I have earned the, every gray hair in my head Absolutely. and I'm, I'm proud of the journey that I've been through. Absolutely. You know, and ultimately, you know, I, I'll probably, you know, go completely gray depending on, you know, depending on the kind of day I get. Exactly. Well, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Well, it, to be honest, it's it's you, the kids, and and the dog. Yeah. So it, it kind of goes in that order. No, well, I no, maybe that. the kids come. I think the kids give me more gray hairs, and maybe your second your second runner up there. I think I'm um, the last. Are you the yeah. last? Are it's you the, the kids last? and then the dog. Well, I'm gonna let you have that dream, because um, that's how much I love you. But no, I I just be be aware that as you grow and as you change and as you age, your role becomes different. I look forward to the time when I get to be the old woman in the corner, you know, and I'm no longer, I'm no longer the B word, but I'm feisty. <laughs> you know, I mean, I want to yeah, move from, I'm, I yeah, want to move from the uh, witch with the B to, oh, she's just a feisty old lady, you know, because then I got, I get to be myself and well, nobody, <laughs> and people accept it. So it's, I love that. I think it's beautiful. I think it's all about how you look at it. I think that if you're willing to go down that road and that path and be open to the change and be excited about uh, what you can do and the knowledge, because I wouldn't give up my knowledge of 42 years to go back and be 20 for anything. Well, and the thing I is, really do wouldn't. you really want to be the equivalent of that the guy who who only can talk about how great they were as a football player in high school? I am that so much better a, now. I really am. Yeah, so don't I'm be, so much don't do now. the Uncle Rico thing of living in, you know, when, boy, I used to be able to throw a football. Oh, come on. Who are you now? What can you do now? What are you all about now? Because it has changed. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kinder. I, I'm absolutely more kind. I'm more patient. I used to be horribly impatient. Um, mm -hmm. And it's still something that I work on. I'm working on you about it. Yeah, but the, there's a lot of things that, that I wouldn't go back and do. Not that I didn't like my younger self, um, but looking back, it's like, wow, don't want to learn that lesson again. That was tough. And you, and you move on and you grow and you acknowledge. And if that's what it takes, you know, and all aging really is is just gravitational forces anyway. Just decide yeah. that the, the you of you, that your identity is going to manifest variously through your experience. Don't get hung up on how it manifests in any particular time and you'll start to have a better time because you're learning more, you're doing more, you're funnier, you're smarter, you're better than you were because you have been through more life and life is beautiful. That means you've been soaking up beauty for all these years. So let that be the thing of you instead of how much you can lift or how fast you can run or how you look in a t-shirt for Pete's sake. Come on now. So from this day forward, we're leveling up. In a couple of weeks, <laughs> I will be level 42. I like that. And and there's no looking back. It's like, it's like a video game where you just get more advanced and things may get a little bit harder, but it also gets a lot cooler. 
have a super interesting question for our Listen Up segment. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, I'm kind of excited about this one, actually. So what, what's the question? Well, this question comes from Dan B. So thank you, Dan. I appreciate you uh, writing in. And by the way, if you want to send in a question, there's a million ways to do it. The easiest way is to go to our website, waterandstonechurch.com, and there's a, a link to contact us. You can also email info at waterandstonechurch.com, that kind of thing. All kinds of ways to get a hold of us on social media and everything else, and we'd love to have your questions. Sometimes questions come in on Sunday morning, as you know, as part of our Sunday lessons. I answer questions live. People text in questions while I'm doing the lesson, and then the second part is me answering the questions. This time around, though, this question was sent in by Dan, and the question is, are there evil people? Are there evil people? <laughs> well, I don't know if it was Halloween inspired or or what. I, I, I Yeah, it's a little fiendish, oh, isn't it? Yeah. So I, I love that uh, we're going here because a big hunk of religiosity has turned into deciding what people are good and what people are bad. It's a little bit of a cop out. I mean, it's certain, once again, talking about John Pavlovich's book and more than that, talking about the way that we do things. That's not what religion has to do, but it has become so common that when people think of religion in this day and age, a lot of what they think about is the concept of exclusion and labeling. And so I, I'm grateful for the opportunity to spend a minute or two dealing with this question. Well, I think my knee-jerk re reaction to that question is... Um, it's interesting. It, it's because I would, my knee-jerk reaction would be, well, people aren't evil, but actions can be. But I think there's such a, and I was, I was in the midst of looking up, I was in the midst of looking up the um, actual definition or of evil. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at Webster. And, Emmanuel Lewis. Yes. It says... Um, the, as an adjective, it says profoundly immoral and malevolent. Mm -hmm. And then as um, a noun, it's profound immorality, wickedness, and depravity, especially when regarded as a supernatural force. Mm. So that's tough. Yeah. So, you know, because I, I really went, I really went back and I'm like, all right, so let's, that's often when we have a loaded word. It's the first thing that I do is I'm like, all right, what's the definition? What are we looking at? Here? I think what, that that's super healthy. And, and if you start there, then it's like, all right, well, as an adjective, okay. Yeah. Profoundly immoral. Okay. Or just plain old dumb. dumb. Right. That's what I was going to say. You know, I mean, and, and so, you know, um, malevolent, like yeah. you, you're, you're, you're meaning to cause harm, yeah. but as a noun, supernatural, you know, I mean, it's in Webster says supernatural. Right. I mean, so can that right there solves your problem. People can't be evil, right? As a noun, because... There's no like supernatural force. Well, th there's. I am, would, I, I, am I wrong? Yeah, here? no. I would say. I would say. You know, to Dan and other people who had asked that, I, I would say, let's take a minute and just like you did by consulting Emmanuel Lewis, I would take a minute and go. Well, now, what do you mean when you say that? Because here's the thing: we don't believe that anything is supernatural. It's all natural. 
there is God in all things. And actually, it's it's really great that this came up. And one of the reasons I want to talk about this today is is yesterday I put out uh, an episode of our uh, of the YouTube channel called Living Water Standing Stone, and that's basically here's what we believe in. And I happen to be talking about evil and all of that kind of thing. So I'd love for people to go watch the video. But the gist of it for right now is our concept of God is too big for there to be any room for anything else. My God is too big to have an adversary that could go toe-to-toe with it. My God is too big for that. So I don't believe in an evil power. I don't believe that you have to have some kind of adversary for God. And in fact, when you think about that, if you've got some kind of supervillain that can get God on the ropes until the end of Act 3, and then all of a sudden there's this this thing that happens. I have the tiger happens. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Clubber Lang's almost got him at the end. I don't... I don't have room for that because what you're talking about is a small God that can be compromised. And the Bible is very clear about having only one power in your life. The quote that I use, and I'm going to use it again because I think it's really powerful. This is the first chapter of John, verse 5. It says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. So right there, there's not an equality there, but more than that, A lot of Bible translations don't use the word overcome. They use the word comprehend. So the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't even comprehend it. There is no concept of equality. So I don't believe in an evil power or an evil force. There's just not room in our cosmology for that. There is only one presence. We take that first commandment very seriously. We're not playing around. Let your eye be single, says Jesus. We're very serious about that. But... Do we believe in the concept of evil stuff that people do? Sure. You can do evil things. If by evil you mean selfish, egotistical, mean, dumb, missing the point level stuff. Yes, absolutely. People do that kind of thing all the time. And people do it for a spectrum of reasons. Mostly it's because they don't know any better. But the thing is, if you take the concept of an evil force out of the equation and you are able to then go, you know what, we're all made out of the same stuff. It's not like some people are evil people. We're not going to label. We're not going to paint people with that brush because doing so prevents our ability from making it better. If I label you, I negate you. So instead, if I'm able to say, you know what, that thing you did was really mean, really dumb, really selfish, but I know you better than that. Let's go fix this. I, and I love that. I love what you're saying. But let me just, again, play sort of the other side of this and, and what I'm thinking as you're, as you're talking about this. How do you go to a person who has had their child taken away um, from somebody that has done something horrible, that has, you know... Um, murdered their child or abused their child or you know yeah i I get it i i'm trying to put myself in 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 that person's shoes and having to look across the table or the courtroom at this person that has taken basically a piece of your heart um that's tough that's tough to to not call that person something horrible yeah you know and and I don't I'm, I'm sitting here thinking would I be strong enough to do that I certainly hope 
that I would be strong enough to to forgive. And it's funny because this month is all about wild forgiveness. Yeah, that's the next talk and I'm doing. It, it, that is tough. But I think that the answer still has to be at the end of the day, even for all of the pain and all of the heartache, there still has to be redemption. There still has to be a way. That, that, that person that did that horrible thing Still has a mom and a dad. Well, and the thing they, is, they were still yeah. they were still a baby. They were still a child, and and the choices that led up to this quote unquote evil action wasn't all there is about them. Right. And I think it's tough to get there because it is so easy to look at all of the the nasty and gross and and just really want to punish people for that. And I it's tough, but I think at the end of the day no, people there are no evil people. Right, because you know what? Yeah, it's tough. I didn't say this was easy. Well, I just you know, want, you know, you know I just wanted yeah, to point no, I that. that I just wanted to I get kind that. of but I, like I said as you were talking, I I put myself in the shoes of of somebody that, you know, and what I would feel like if, if I was in that similar situation. Sure. And you know what? Everybody has dealt with something like loss. And everybody maybe has called, has been called to deal with someone who is dealing with big loss too. But the thing is, yeah, it, it's, this is tough. But you know what's easy? Cop-outs are easy. Yeah. Cop blame is easy. In the outer, it's easy. It's hard in the long run because you don't grow through it. But... It's really easy to just decide that some people who did something bad or even on a smaller scale who just, you know, vote different than you, to decide that some people are bad. Therefore, I don't have to interact with them. I can lock them away in a container. I don't have to think about that. But that's not what we are called upon to do. Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these. His mission is radical forgiveness. Yeah, when it's hard. It's easy to love your friends. This is about going the extra mile and doing the hard thing because that's how we all grow. The world doesn't get better when we cordon off certain people. The world gets better when we look at the problem and we fix it. But looking at the problem and fixing it means even the most distressing things in history, if we look at that person and go, okay, we're going to stop doing whatever it was and we're going to make it better. But to do that, I have to believe that there's potential for good there. I can't fix it if I believe that it's an example of some kind of opposite of God. So just as you said, no, I don't believe in evil people. I believe in super dumb actions. We say the Lord's Prayer every every Sunday. We have a lesson and we say, deliver us from evil. We're not saying deliver us from some kind of adversary. We're saying, God, can we please not mess up? Can we see you so clearly that we do what is sometimes the hard thing but is always the loving thing? Can we get it right? <laughs> That's what we're saying. No, I don't believe in evil people. I believe in dumb stuff. But let's get smarter. All right, it's time to check it out. And this is the part where we talk about what we're doing, where you can find us, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and uh, there's an awful lot of that yada, yada, yada on our website. Um, one of the best ways to find out what we're doing is just to go check out waterandstonechurch.com or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and so on for all kinds of information about what's up.
So let's start out with our the stuff that we do on an ongoing basis. Um, jump in anytime. You can you can join us anytime. So on Wednesdays, every Wednesday morning, seven twenty in the morning, we do a sunrise walk. We watch the sun come up. We grab some coffee. We talk about spiritual things. There's often dolphins. It's a beautiful, it beautiful is time. Amazing. And the, right now the weather is so great. It's beautiful. It's, and it's yeah. It's it's the North Shore Beach in St. Pete. And go to our website and get a map. But basically, if you can see the volleyball courts, you can see us. But I want to remind you that if you're gonna go. Just give us a heads up. Send you us can, a message. Yeah, or send us a message. Because we don't want to leave anybody behind. It's super easy. You can text us. You can call us. You can email us or whatever. Let us know if you're going to be there for the Sunrise Walk. We, we Like I said, it's about 720 on North Shore Beach in St. Pete. Every Wednesday night, there is a new episode of Living Water Standing Stone. Don't miss it. It's amazing. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. You can find it on Facebook, but you can also find it on our YouTube channel. And if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, you will get notifications of new videos all the time. Yeah, and there are new videos all the time, including a, a very special show called This Day. Yeah, and that comes out, a new episode comes out every Friday, usually around noon. And if you like good food with a little bit of spiritual stuff on the side, it's for you. I'm really proud of both of these shows. I'm I'm really excited about the Living Water Standing Stone show that I'm doing because it's here's what we believe in and it's a time to really discuss some theological stuff. But I got to tell you that this day show is just so inspirational in in a, in a hundred different ways. It's really cool. I'm I'm enjoying the the process of that and I'm so proud of you. Well, thank you. And then on Sundays, you can always join us about a half hour before sunset on St. Pete Beach, and there's a place to get there. We watch the sunset together. We close out the week, get ready to begin a new one. It has become um, a very, very favorite thing that we do during the week. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things, and I got to tell you, once again, I can't help harping on it. This is probably going to be the first Sunday that people are wearing jackets to sunset. I'm excited about that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. See what I did there? All right, and so we have a couple of service projects that we want to talk about. Water and Stone is committed to going out into our neighborhood and helping um, corporations and organizations that are doing really, really good stuff. So on November 11th, from 11 to 2, we'll be assisting Metropolitan Ministries. If you plan on going with us on November 11th, we do ask that you visit the Facebook page or the event page on our website Follow the link because that is going to get you pre-registered. If you pre-register, it cuts down on all of the time that we have to spend in their office getting all of that done so that we can really move on to helping get right out and, and, start get, working. And, and, yeah. and absolutely helping them. So again, that's November 11th. We do one every single month. And the one that we're doing in December is we are feeding... 100 people, so these are single moms and their kids through the organization of CASA. And that's a local organization here, and they do such amazing work. But we will be making and serving dinner for about 100 people. That is Wednesday, December 13th. If you're interested in doing that, please send me a message. And if if you just want to drop off food but not serve, or if you want to serve but not make food, there is room for all kinds of stuff. Just give me a holler and we will figure it out. Again, that's December 13th. And all through the month of November, we have created a No Shave November team. And uh, it's a great way to uh, raise awareness about uh, 
health issues, and also to raise money. And whether you choose to participate in No Shave November or you just want to pledge some money, you can do that's kind of like a walkathon kind of a thing. Or you just want to be a part of the the dialogue. There's a page for our No Shave November team. I'd love to see some people uh, sign up. We've got a, a few a few people doing it, and it's open to uh, all genders and all of that. But uh, I'm really looking forward to it, uh, participating, and it's a great excuse to, to grow my Obi-Wan Kenobi beard. Mm-hmm. But the big thing, the thing that we want to tell you about and that we're the most excited about is on November 26th. At 11 o'clock. At 11 a.m. at Harbor Hall, USF St. Pete. Come and join us for Wild Forgiveness. This is the fourth in a series of six. Mm-hmm. Um, it's our monthly Sunday worship service. And it is so fabulous. You won't want to miss it. Um, It'll start off your holiday season just so beautifully. Again, we're talking about wild forgiveness. And I'm I'm really excited about it. Everybody's got some stuff to let go of. And this is going to show you how to do that in a healthy way so that you can get on to doing things that matter, living a life that makes sense to you. This is a huge one. I got to say, these Sundays... Just keep getting better and better. And by the way, to answer a question, once we finish these six monthly services, and like you said, this is four out of six, once we finish the sixth one, we're going to go to having a service every single week. And so being there for one of the monthly, you're going to get to see us at the very beginning, get to be a part of this family at the very beginning. And I got to say, the last Sunday service we did felt even more like family. It was just so much fun. You don't want to miss these. But once again, that's November 26th, Wild Forgiveness at 11 a.m. There's all kinds of stuff going on. And just like we said, you can hit the website. But if you really want to stay in the loop, the best way is to text I am ready, all one word, I-A-M-R-E-A-D-Y. Text I am ready to 84576. That's 84576. And you'll get news and updates. Uh, we sent out a, a a text about once a once a week. It's not a big deal, but it's going to help you know what we're doing and where we're doing it and how you can be involved in a life that makes a difference for a whole lot of people. Hey Peter, it's it's um it's time to wrap it up. I think today what I really want people to know is you are not your achievements. You're not the things that you can or cannot do. You are not what you used to do. You are not what you used to wear. You are not anything on the outside of you. You're not what you own or don't own. It's so easy to get caught up in those things, but when you do, the universe has a way of taking them away or changing them in order to try and get you to focus on who you really are. Take a minute and decide that this infinite truth about you, the image and likeness, child of God nature, that divine spark in you, Christ in you, your hope of glory, like Paul said, take a minute and decide that the truth about you is so infinite that it can't be contained in any one particular expression. Instead, through the course of this amazing journey through life, it's going to be expressed and manifest in all kinds of different ways. Take a minute today to appreciate the ways in which the truth about you is showing up in your life and know that it'll be different tomorrow, just like it was different yesterday. Enjoy the ride. Right now, who you are is worth it. Who you are is amazing. And who you're going to be tomorrow, same thing. It's okay if stuff on the outer changes because the truth about you never does, never has, never will. 
This podcast is recorded at Pinfeather Studios on the comfy orange couch. And the grand poobah of Pinfeather Studios is the handsome and strong Raina Randolph. She is one half of the music that you get to hear in these breaks, and the other half is the lovely and talented Miles Randolph. This podcast is solely supported by you. And you know exactly what that means. It means we need you to share these episodes. Go take a look at our blog and send links to other people. Tell somebody about this weird couple of people you listen to on the on your iPod or your phone or whatever it is all the time. Share this. Another thing that you can do for us to help support the podcast is go to wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether that's Stitcher or iTunes or SoundCloud or whatever it is. Take a moment, and literally it is just a moment, just a few seconds, and write us a five-star review. I'm asking for five stars because anything below that doesn't affect the little algorithms and the elves and gnomes that live inside uh, iTunes. But if you give us a five-star review, it helps this podcast get promoted to the rest of the world. It helps new people find out about this stuff that you know about. Don't keep all the goodies to yourself. Share it with the rest of the world. And finally, the most important thing you can do is show up. Be a part of our Sunday services. That's the fourth Sunday of every month at 11 o'clock. Come listen to other shows, other podcasts. Watch the episodes that we put out on YouTube. Be a part of our classes and activities. Man, oh man, if you go out for some of the social action stuff that we do to make a difference in the world like this thing with Metropolitan Ministries, it's going to feed you in ways you can't even imagine. So just show up for something and do me a favor. Invite a friend.